Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. And we have formed a rather small fellowship for a dire purpose, which is uh, talking about a very short piece of fanfiction. I'm not sure fellowship best describes us. (laughs) What would you call it? I don't know. A band of fellows. Would, Would any of us describe ourselves as a fellow? Um, <laughs> well, no. No, but I guess. Does that mean we're not a fellowship? Would any of us describe ourselves as a ship? <laughs> I'm married. Does that mm. count? <laughs> so it's just wrong in both accounts. Dom and I are like ships passing silently in the night. In the day, but you know, we still don't see each other because we're not that good navigating the ocean. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, in terms of fellows... Frodo is surely a fellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is a fellow? Would you call Legolas a fellow? No. No. I th- you could, I think. I think Legolas would begrudgingly give you a fellow. <laughs> Merry and Pippin, fellows. Yes. yes. I didn't know if Sam's a fellow. I guess he's oh, a fellow. yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, hobbits are fellows. Okay, all hobbits are fellows. That's just fair. <laughs> <laughs> what about Gandalf? A fellow? Gandalf's a fellow. He, he fits in well enough. Like... He would say fellow. That's half the battle, right? Uh, Boromir? Maybe not a fellow? Um, um, well, Boromir quit the fellowship <laughs> rather early on, so... That's fair. And how about Aragorn? I'm trying to imagine calling Aragorn fellow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the dark person in the corner with the hood drawn up, like, Hi, fellow! He just glares back at you. <laughs> Hello, good fellow. <laughs> How's it going, fellow? He just doesn't say anything. <laughs> he has his moments of lightheartedness. Yeah. I, I think Aragorn... more around, like, threatening to kill people in a yeah. humorous way. But, I, I'm not yeah. sure Aragorn is a fellow. I believe Aragorn uh, does fellowship things. Mm, yeah. He performs fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> and we already talked about Gimli then? No, we skipped over Gimli. Yeah. yeah. Fellow? Def- over. Definite fellow. Okay. Um, yeah. Though, I, I don't know if we've <laughs> explicitly said what a fellow means. Wait, wait, wait. That would just ruin the mystique of this whole conversation. <laughs> oh, I see. If we actually had a definition. So, from what I can tell from this conversation, fellow means halfling-esque. <laughs> yes. That's basically what I was going by, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and we can give... Aragorn fellow based on being willing to sit around and blow smoke rings against Gandalf. Yeah. Oh, truth. Yes. I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. Which means basically it's just Legolas and Boromir sitting out there, maybe not being fellows. Mm. I feel like we're using the term fellow <laughs> as like folksy. I think that's what we're doing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if if fellow is just another word for halfling, then I think I could be considered a fellow a little bit. Yeah. I do enjoy okay. my food. Yes. My feet yes. sometimes do get pretty hairy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy pipe weed every now and again. <laughs> yes, pipe weed. Although I, although I think they would have vaped if they could have back in the day. <laughs> Agreed. Pipe weed was recently legalized in the state of Oregon. <laughs> Recreational pipe weed. Uh, Is that what they were smoking? Lord of the Rings? Is that what we were supposed to believe? <laughs> I mean, they had blue smoke and saw, like, dragons and stuff made out of smoke. You know? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Sounds like a conversation with the game. Dang. <laughs> uh, as you may have noticed, we are talking about Lord of the Rings this week. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if our conversation about the fanfic 
is shorter or longer than our conversation about people being fellows, because this is the new record for the shortest fanfic we have ever discussed. Clocking in at 1,500 words, a good fourth of the length of Fall of the Republic. We have They Say of the Elves by Brancher. It is a 2000 fanfic. A fanfic from the year 2000, I should say. <laughs> and That was the year before the movie came out? Yeah, it was around then, but this was not written based on the movie. Of course. Right. Um, I chose it because I was reading a scholarly work, because I'm a very scholarly person when it comes to uh, maybe reading stuff about fanfiction. I was reading the book the Fan Fiction Reader, Folk Tales for the Digital Age by Francesca Coppa. Coppa? Coppa? Maybe Coppa. And uh, I checked it out because I was like, oh, I'm going to find great material for us to talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But most of the fanfics that the author talks about in that book are not retro enough for me. <laughs> so I jumped on the one that was from the year 2000. There was also maybe like a Faith Buffy romance fanfic. That was Interesting. early-ish. We could still hit that one up later if we wanted. Yeah. I, I don't know We if should they're... hit up some Buffy fanfics at some point. Buffy I do have a Buffy scheduled for... Uh, I mean, I probably shouldn't commit myself, but episode 36, <laughs> so it's like 10 episodes from now. Yeah. Well, a while who away. knows where we'll be then. I'm just going to keep watching Buffy anyways. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. I'm just not sure if I can ship Faith and Buffy in, in good... Faith? Oh, God. Why not? Um, because Faith doesn't treat Buffy very nicely. No. Well, no. no. Or anyone, really, but it would just say. Rely heavily on the writing for me to for them to change my opinion about this. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. I see. I mean, she really messes with her. Like, yeah, just say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to the fan fiction reader, this book, uh, there's selections from it on Google Books. And at least at this moment, it seems like the whole section about this fanfic is available for free to preview to read. Did both of you manage to read that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I got it on um, Archive of Our Own. Okay, where it also is. It's a few yeah. places online. All right. That's an easy place to find a lot of things you could look for. <laughs> if they're fanfiction, yes. pornography. Oh, on the internet? <laughs> wait, wait. Well, slow down. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> I found that out recently. The archive of her own hosts a lot of pornography when I was trying to look for this. Anyway, I just thought our readers should know. Yeah, archive of our own was set up in reaction to fanfiction.net deciding they would not host certain things. Yeah. And I, I pornography was probably part of it, but also like I guess Archie Comics fanfics. Like there were a few oh, franchises okay. that were like, we do not want fanfiction. I don't know what accent I was going for there. <laughs> and so the fans just set up a competitor and were like, well, we're hosting it anyway. Have fun. So Archive of Our Own is the uh, bad boy of <laughs> fan fiction hosting? Kind of, but it's also like the one that actually has a community, it seems like, that is significant and interested mm. in... I don't know. It actually seems like... Back in the day, I was Ironic. just like, ah, oh, this is a knockoff of fanfiction.net, but it seems to have really grown into like a... That the more permissive community <laughs> would actually attract more people with a stronger bond. Oh. Almost as if excluding people based on arbitrary rules. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? Uh, Anybody? Archive of Brown needs more rules? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. How are you going to keep out the riffraff? Yeah, exactly. I could be wrong. There are some rules that are totally realistic, such as how you treat one another. But, mm-hmm. you know, just 
It seems like this community is really, like, developed around the idea of an acceptance, and that seems pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah. Archive of Our Own is chiller than I remembered it being uh, back when I just, I think it was first starting off, and I was just like, it's just people fleeing fanfiction.net. Mm-hmm. Like rats from a sinking ship. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tori, you missed out on about three pages of commentary about this uh, fanfic. Oh, yeah. But, I'm a little bummed about that, yeah, because when I went to the link, it just didn't appear for yeah, me. Yeah, fair so. enough. Well, that's where I am trying to link people to. If you follow bit.ly slash RFR elves, not elves, elves. Elvis. Not Elvis. (laughs) E-L-V-E-S. It should take you to the appropriate part in the Google Books copy of the preview of this book. The Google Books copy is a little bit temperamental. Yeah, it is. Like, I went to it sometimes and it said, like, you've gone over your limit for viewing. And then, yeah. like, I yes. tab over to a different tab and come back and then the oh, whole really? thing would be there. That's what's happened yeah. to me is that it said you've gone over your limit for viewing. And then just a moment later, the pages appear. And yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been able to get a Google Books copy of anything that was complete. It's always, like, the first page and, like, the 77th page of something. Yeah, I like and then them. it, like, skips ahead another 30 pages. Right. So I just assumed that I wouldn't be able to get it. On my first try, I didn't get it, so I didn't try again. I only check out Google Book links when I'm really desperate to find something. And then usually mm-hmm. I get frustrated and give up a few minutes after looking at it. <laughs> I use them so much in college, like to try to find references to things and I would still like go through it even though I was missing 30 pages at a time I would still go through and try to find like the important moments of a text that I Uh really needed to see and couldn't get from the library and couldn't afford to buy because it was like $80 the what's the opposite of a pinnacle of like a career Uh, nadir (laughs) is that right Nadir, and I and no, how do you say that? I've Nader? never had to say it out loud. Nader? <laughs> Sorry, what? Ralph Nader? What yes. Are you Nader? The Ralph Nader. <laughs> um, the opposite of a pinnacle. It's like a... Uh, don't a worry pinnacle? about it. English is a hard language. <laughs> yes, the Nader. Okay, the Nader oh. of my academic existence was definitely in high school, like freshman year sometime, when I did an assignment where you had to pull quotes from a book, and I didn't have my copy of the book, and I was doing it at the last minute, uh, like the night before, mm-hmm. and I just pulled some random quotes off the internet, and I was like, I'm using these quotes, the ones that I can find on the internet. <laughs> was that like the last time you made a report like that last minute, the night before? That's the last time I tried to do an assignment that involved pulling quotes from a book without having a copy of the book. And <laughs> yeah. this was before you could even find much on the internet. I like could literally find like four quotes and I used them. <laughs> Back in our day. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I had a lot of points in my college papers that were easily supported, so could just mm. go through and... and find out of the 14 out of 144 pages, something that I needed. <clears throat> um, so do we want to talk about what they say in the book first about the fanfiction before? Or? Let's talk about the fanfic and comment if the editor of this volume about fanfiction had anything interesting to say about it, if it comes up, maybe? Yeah, mm. I'm bummed I didn't get the critical preface, because that would be really interesting to me. It's like three pages long. We could stop right now and have you read it and get a snack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> if all we good. Wanted. It's all good. There will be surprises for you when we pull in this stuff. Excellent. All right. We'll see if they thought of anything I didn't. So before we get started on this fanfic, what did... um, We, we all grew up as nerds and role-playing nerds and D&D specifically <laughs> in general. Yeah. Uh, so Lord of the Rings meant something to all of us at some degree. <laughs> yeah. I remember... I don't remember when I read The Hobbit, but I read The Hobbit early enough that I read it multiple times and The Hobbit's awesome. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Growing up, we used to read books with, like, my mom and I used to read books together, like, before bed or whatever, like, out loud. Mm -hmm. And 
at some point we read through Lord of the Rings. And that was definitely like the first time I'd ever read through all of Lord of the Rings. I might have read like Fellowship before, but we got bogged down by the time we were in Return of the King. Sure. And we like left it for a long time. Eventually we came back and finished it. That's my whole story. My mom is a big, uh, I think I mentioned before, a big fantasy science fiction nerd. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of pushed The Hobbit on us pretty early. I remember reading through that. And I tried to read through the the books. I got most of the way through Fellowship, I think, by the time the movies came out, which is kind of late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was difficult for me to read because I couldn't – because of the style of the writing was very, like, sc- scholarly and, like, references to, like, different myths and legend. It's kind of hard to get, get like, a um, – visual thread of what was going on yeah so i couldn't picture any of the story actually so it was hard to continue but after i saw the movie and i got okay this is what this place looks like this is what character looks like i was able to hold that in my head enough to pull me through the lord of the rings trilogy and silmarillion so oh. <clears throat> and the uh, silmarillion yeah um english is a hard language you guys and I don't know that's, if that's why Tolkien totally made new languages instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my folks are huge sci-fi fantasy fans too. Like I grew up looking at the books on their shelves thinking, looking at the covers thinking, why can I read this? And when I was about 9, I started reading some of that stuff, like mm-hmm. Terry Brooks, David Eddings, like David all that Edding, stuff. David Eddings. And I think I was also about 9 when I read The Hobbit. And it was super short compared to a lot of those tomes I'd been reading of high fantasy that was actually based on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, especially Terry Brooks' sort of genre, that's so based on Lord of the Rings. But I read that first mm-hmm. when I was about 9 or 10. And then um, I read The Hobbit around the same time, loved it. But I was 11, I remember specifically 11, I was reading Lord of the Rings, and I was reading it, like, because I was 11 over, like, Y2K. <laughs> I remember, like, reading it at my dad's college friend's house that we went to for New Year's and, like, reading that during, like, the New Year and, like, really trying to focus on it but also being a little bit, like, preoccupied with the whole Y2K issue. Because, yeah, you need you know, to finish that before the world ended. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I was a little bit concerned <laughs> the world might end. But I just have this this funny thing with Lord of the Rings. Like, I ended up loving it, obviously, but reading it was kind of a chore like the yeah. hobbit was super short and fun yeah the hobbit was but super there fun was to read. so much detail like even in all the other tomes of fantasy i'd read before that as a 10 year old i couldn't completely immerse myself in it tolkien was a the old... movies changed it for me the yeah. movies made a big difference because they came out like right after that yeah tolkien was an old english academic and they wrote like one. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings is, it's tough to read. It's tough to get through. It is. And that's um, frustrating because the story is so good. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the movie, if we're talking about the kind of introduction here that's in this this compilation book, uh, the author mentions, or I guess the author of the fanfic quotes, is quoted as saying that Tolkien fandom had been a tiny, sedate little fandom. And the movies exploded it. Yeah. And this fanfic got somewhat famous due to the timing. And even though the author wrote it, like, they wrote it just when a whole bunch of new fans were flooding in. And even though they wrote this fanfic based on the books and it's not based on the movies, it was kind of a bridging story they kind of describe it as. Like, people were able to, you know come from the movies into it and understand it fine and, like, I guess, connect to it. I think if, we, mm-hmm. if he came in from the movies, you'd be a little bit surprised because 
the characters weren't as deep in the movies as they were in the books or even in this fanfic, I think. Yeah, it's also mentioned that Gimli is portrayed in this fanfic as the poet that he is in the story. Oh, yeah. Rather than the comic relief that he tends to be in the movies. Didn't we have a running joke about, like, uh, we talked about what the other rings of power did to the other races? Like, shouldn't the dwarves have been turned into ring wraiths also? Then we just had this dwarf ring wraith that just would say in a raspy voice, I'm sure. Laugh track. <laughs> Sounds right, yeah. Yeah. No, it is a good point. The, the dwarves were really short-changed Ooh. in the movie. Well, well, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Short I wasn't jokes. really going for the pun. Um, didn't back away from it either. <laughs> hey. I'm a very short person. I've always identified with the dwarves. I just well, have to say that. And... I didn't like that the dwarves are comic relief in the movie. I the, felt wait, wait, the dwarves. Gimli is the dwarf. The problem is that he's the only dwarf, and yes, he's a comic relief, right? Exactly, or a comic relief anyway. But you yeah. know, speaking of though, there is the more recent Hobbit movie in which there are like eight dwarves, right? And they are all also somewhat comic relief. There well, is like one serious dwarf. Bomber gets, yeah, yeah. They're also a pretty Just accomplished saying. male singing group. <laughs> right. Acapella instead of the, like, eight-piece band they were in the books. Yeah. Piece band. <laughs> how, many, how many dwarves? Thirteen dwarves. Thirteen dwarves. Thirteen dwarves, five fruit trees. Right. It's great. <laughs> I got it. The dwarves are fun. Like, I love that. But they can be more than just comic relief. Well, in the movies, at least you have the whole Moria sequence where the culture and the tragedy mm. was taken seriously. Yeah. It was very briefly. Yeah. And then you get the next movie and yes. dwarf throwing and jogging and all that. Yes. yes. That. Yeah. I mean, and like, not, like, I want to be fair and say that, like, the movies really made me love Gimli even more because, like... I, I like that actor. Yeah. Well, yeah oh, yeah, John Rhys Davies. Yeah, Like, yeah. I loved him in Sliders. Like, that was my favorite <laughs> show when I was a kid. I mean, it was anyway, fun to see him in, like, him. random Star Trek episodes, too. Yeah. Where you can see how tall great. that guy is. It's crazy. He's, yeah, he's actually pretty tall. Um... But I love that he was able to make the part, like, so uh, congenial. Like, mm. he just, like, you really love him in that role. So I will say the comic relief, like, makes him very lovable. And I think that's awesome. Like, it's better than having him be, like, very off-putting. Just an unlikable character? Yeah. yeah. He's very likable. And I, he's, like, the most likable character, in my opinion. But... Movie Gimli a little bit Chewbacca-like. Is that a fair comparison of their roles in the movie? Um, so of course you love Chewie, but he, it's not really a character and he doesn't, it's kind of comic relief. I can't find a way to disagree with that specifically, but that seems uh, off-putting. <laughs> <laughs> Disrespectful, no, I, maybe? I really think that's <laughs> Wait, true, to, to be honest. To Chewie um, or to Gimli? Gimli, but, I will say that, like, Gimli definitely has a little bit more depth in the movies, but it's not enough. Mm, it's yeah. not the, it's not what should be paid towards his entire culture right. as a representative of his entire culture. Like, this fanfic is basically all about Gimli's depth. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. And, and, and like, really good. Yeah. And Leg Loss's depth. Because, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's really good. Let's, let's actually talk about the fanfic. How about? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Let's do that. I mean, <laughs> Just one last note in the movie. Legolas is also kind of shallow in the movie. He is. So but he gets to do the super badass stuff. Yeah, instead but that's of super shallow. Well, yeah, but I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm still trying not to... I'm physically trying not to roll my eyes thinking about him skating down the stairs on a shield shooting arrows. 
Yeah, or like you can roll your eyes. No one will see it. Slide down the trunk of the olifant <laughs> sure too. Did. Like, yep. just stop sliding. Like, I, I don't even do the shield sliding in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> if anyone's gonna do any sliding, it's Gimli because of his actor. It was okay? like um, <laughs> the the Disney Tarzan movie where they I got they you, made. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was too preoccupied with my own thought. <laughs> so in this, it's a very short fanfic. It's it's a very short fanfic. And so the fanfic is post-books, mm-hmm. and Legolas and Gimli had made a promise to go visit the caves in Helm's Deep that Gimli was super impressed by, and also the super beautiful forests where Legolas grew up. Right. Because they're like, they've kind of gotten appreciation for each other and their culture, they've grown tight, and they're like, we want to show each other the awesome, cool stuff that's important to we, us. We want, we want to go on a best friends road trip together. Best friends, yes, best friends, unquote. Because in this <laughs> fanfic, Gimli is in love with Legolas, mm-hmm. and he's, what's that? Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, by the way, yeah. when I was 11 and reading the book, I totally read that. Yeah. Well, just the, saying. In the... When I was 11 and reading the book. I could so see, I feel like it's heavily implied. I could see you getting that from the book. I, I missed it, but I also missed stuff like that in real life, so... Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> and I, it might have just been maybe at 11 I was still that gaily inclined. <laughs> I don't know. But... To quote from the essay beforehand, Tori... Over the course of The Lord of the Rings, Gimli and Legolas overcome strong mutual prejudice to become the most intimate of friends. As Brancher notes, their canonical progression in Tolkien's text, from mutual, even racist distrust, to grudging respect, to friendly rivalry, to blood brotherhood, is one of the great modern romances. Mm-hmm. The bond that Legolas and Gimli develop as elf and dwarf is already much more taboo-shattering, and consequently much more romantic than any sexual or even homosexual relationship. Yes. Gender is not the boundary being transgressed here. Uh, but that's absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely. Which well, is a great point. It's like, it's I always forget about it, but but when I'm reminded of it, Gimli and Legolas in the books and the movies are kind of the best part. Yeah, <laughs> that that relationship evolving that over relationship the time is amazing. Is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean like, it's a difficult thing to touch on, but there is also like the race parallel because we're literally looking at things called races yes. in this world, and I don't want to dig too heavily into that because I. Do not think it's my place to say much on that, but I do think, I mean, Tolkien, you know, of course, also being a white person, mm-hmm. wrote the idea of racism and racial relationships into this. Um, it's very complicated, so mm-hmm. I don't know if either I should say any more about that, but... Yeah. We can probably leave it. There's a whole lot of stuff that could be said, yes. So but then, we need to get into the, the romance. Yeah, yeah so, so this, uh, they decided to travel together to both their cultures, places to show each other what's going on. Yeah. And this is first person from Gimli's perspective. Mm -hmm. Gimli is expecting Legolas to seduce him on this trip. That's Mm -hmm. what he's braced for because he has this cultural idea of elves in a romantic sense, that they are um, sexually promiscuous, that they are like seducers, and that they kind of are inclined towards like sexual conquest, love them and leave them sort of that the only thing you'll get in the morning is a handful of leaves and nothing else. And a well, sweet taste in your mouth. That's, that's yeah. directly where the titles derive from. They say of the elves. Right. Because, like, initially they start with, you know what they say of the elves, that they'll tumble you as soon as they look at you. Mm-hmm. So I guess elves are sluts. That's what uh, the dwarves say, yes. Dwarves, how, yeah. right. I also like how Tolkien-esque that phrase was written. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the writing's very good. It's I wouldn't call it Tolkien pastiche, but it's... Trying to kind of stay in harmony with the Tolkien writing. Yeah. It's a little bit yes. better because you can actually read it. <laughs> <laughs> true, 
True. No one talks about an epic song relates some quite sort of big poem at any point in this fanfic. So like, I'll bet you could though. <laughs> it's because it's only a thousand words long. Right. Like, the main issue I take with Lord of the Rings is that it's so long. Like in pieces, it's fine, but when mm. you take it at length, like, it's like, Christian. Like, like it just need a, goes on. Needed a better editor or something. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm going to write a seven word Lord of the Rings fan fiction mm. right now. Okay. For sale, Frodo's baby shoes never worn. Stop it. <laughs> How was that? That was horrible. And I hate you for doing it. By the way, that was a crossover with the story <laughs> no, ba- for sale, it. baby shoes never worn. Oh, stop mm-hmm. it. So I got in I got in two two works there. Wow, cool. I'm a great fanfic upset. writer. We're writing fanfics on this fanfic podcast. Off the cuff. Yeah. It's very upset right now. <laughs> the next project will just be a fanfic jam session. <laughs> anyway. I have nothing to say. My English major's sensibilities are very distressed. <laughs> anyway, Gimli is like, oh yeah, when, when's this guy going to, when he's going to put the moves on me? He, he's like nervous about it. He too. is nervous about it. Well, he's mm-hmm. in love with Legolas and he's kind of, but he's also sort of like, it's a complicated place where Gimli's coming from. Here. Yeah. Well, his, it's fun to read, really. Yeah. He's predicating his whole idea of being in love on the fact that Legolas is the slut, therefore Legolas is going to try to hit on him. Right. Like, he's not going to try to hit on Legolas. He's like, if Legolas was interested in me, he'd make the first move. Right. And Absolutely. Because of his stereotypes of elves. And, Absolutely. And also, which is the interesting part. And also, once that happens, there won't be a relationship anymore after that. Right. Mm-hmm. He wants to be intimate with Legolas, but he also is afraid that like once that happens, Legolas mm-hmm. is going to be out of there. That'll be it. They'll be over. Right. And so there's that, and there's also what you just said, Tori, that, like, he, yeah. from his perspective, obviously, Legolas is the one who's going to express yes. that interest. And yeah. also the one who's going to move on quickest, because it's all predicated on his prejudice, which is kind of funny, because it's like, if you feel love for someone, would you really predicate the idea of your relationship on a prejudice of their race? So People do. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah. but... Well, spoiler for this fanfic, Tori, it's going to work out. <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> these two crazy kids are going to get together, you know, and canonically, they spend the rest of their lives living together. Agree. Apparently, according to an appendix at the end of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. yeah, Tolkien agrees. Um, they visit the caves, and you know they're super beautiful, and we get beautiful prose. A lot of beautiful language here. Yeah. Oh, should we read some of it? Yeah. I mean, we could read the whole fanfic in this case, but <laughs> let's just read a portion. We passed first through the glittering caves, and there I was sure it would happen. I led him down the path into the earth, and in the first great chamber our torches flared and he cried out, and then was silent for a time as we passed under curtains of marbled rock, glinting white, and rose like the hem of the cloak of Galadriel, and thence to glittering passages lined in gems, sharp enough to touch to draw blood. In the central passage, where water falls drop by drop into pools of different depths, we stood quietly for a time. The music of the ponds lulled me. I stood entranced. I know not how long, and did not look to Legolas, not until I felt the heat of him behind me, and the touch of his long-fingered hands on my shoulders. I thought my breath would stop in my body, I could not speak, but he did not move his hands from my shoulders, and merely stood close to me, close enough that I could hear his breath. Vanya, he said at last, Lamal I don't know Elvin. <laughs> and that was all he said, and the only <laughs> touch of his hands that I received in that place. I'm I'm sorry to ruin the moment. I just I just imagine no, Amato ruined the moment by saying I don't know. Elvis. I just imagine Legolas going fire. I, I don't know. It's I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't speak Elvish. <laughs> uh, that was the part I was going to read too, though. So, like, well sought but, and yes. well found, good friend. But it means beautiful, glorious sound, apparently. Mm. And so they head up out of that. Like, they, they're still traveling with the company, with the fellowship at that point, and, you know, go back up and. Um, they break off and head into Fangorn. Oh, that's right. Legolas is going to show in Fangorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this or, is, yeah, but this is, to make a point, this is also, like, not the last time that Legolas speaks Elvish to to Gimli, mm-hmm. and it's, like, a point of romance. It, it's I just thought that was kind of funny. Like, he doesn't have to do that. Like Elvish is just the French of... Yes, Middle-earth. it definitely seems that way. Like it's Kinda the hot. Si- <laughs> yeah. Well, like if Gimli has a stereotype of elves being like very sexual beings, like it makes sense that that is what Gimli himself seizes on. Maybe not Legolas's intention, but definitely something Gimli seizes on is him speaking Elvish. So. Mm-hmm. Now Gimli is a little bit crushed because he's thinking that mm-hmm. Legolas is not into him. Mm-hmm. But they go into Fangorn together, and he sees like super cool trees with better cool prose than I just said. Yeah, and, like, the whole time he's still kind of wondering about, like, will this relationship work? Because, like, we're... They, they, yeah. they like each other, but they're so different. Dwarf romance is a little bit slower. Yeah. Maybe nuanced. Yes. And elves are supposed to be quicker. And he's also thinking, like, oh, well, we were in caves down there. The forest is, like, where Legolas is comfortable. This if is something going to happen, yes. it's going to yes. happen in the forest. Except yeah. that I think he also thought that for sure something would happen in the caves. Right. And I don't remember why he thought that, because he didn't make oh, the move. Be- because he thought that Legolas was being all innuendo-y when he want- expressed his interest sure. in visiting the tunnels and caverns of your people. Oh, right, right. <laughs> the tunnels and caverns, yes. got it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just kind of funny because Gimli makes a lot of assumptions. Oh, tons. Yeah. And, like, so when they're sleeping in the forest, like, he's sleeping by a tree, and he's staying up all night being, like nervous and kind of waiting for Legolas to come to him and Legolas just is like staying up. Just funny, like how old is Gimli? Like well, we could find how out, many I'm people sure. has he been with at this point? You know, he just seems very But th- this is the first elf. Sure, but <laughs> yo, like there's a point at which you just gotta like be like, hey, I have an intention here. You know, he just seems so nervous. Like it's so new to him, I guess. I guess yeah. I don't Elf, know. Elf is new. I guess that's fair. Yeah. I don't know how old he's supposed to be in like cultural context, you know. He's supposed to be grown up, I think. Yeah, like, he's supposed to be grown up. Weathered maybe. Well, yeah. But I mean grown is one thing, experienced <clears throat> is another. I'm just saying. He was deemed too young to join Thorin at age sixty two uh, for the Hobbit quest. Yeah. I don't know. So then it's still pretty it's young, then, I, I think, by dwarf standards. Yeah, by dwarf standards, he's got to be, like... Well, then, like, Frodo's had a 111th birthday at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Rings. So, so it's uh, been a while, actually. Yeah. So maybe, like, twice his life again, maybe, or so. 30, 18. So, no, he's, like, 60, 70 years older. Right. Like, that's twice his age from like when he how old he was in the hobbit when he was too young to go with the rest of them right to when he joins so the fellowship maybe he's around like the the humanish third 30, year yeah. mark if he was like 15 ish before i mean he could just culturally. be very inexperienced yeah no, he like could be. age is not a necessarily a sign of experience it's just yeah it's an interesting point that he is so nervous what he must be inexperienced because all he's going on is hearsay Mm-hmm. Not any personal experience or any experience yeah. with elves. Yeah. Right. Like that's for certain because dwarves and elves just don't get together. 
Yeah. No. Like, that's just not a thing. Like, they don't talk. So <laughs> maybe, like, the author's implying, like, an almost virginal, I hate that word, but, you know, experience with him that this is in new. A, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, there's the new parts. And, I mean, also, he's just not thinking clearly because, in his words, I had grown over fond of Legolas, mm-hmm. right? Of, of him. Like, he doesn't want to mess it up. He's, like, so emotionally invested in this that, like, he's not communicating yeah. well. Also, yeah, well, they, they haven't communicated to the point where they're, like, blood brothers, friends, more? Question mark? Right. They yeah. really haven't talked that about it. That they haven't yes. agreed to... Earlier, yes. uh, haven't agreed to progress. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, this is quite early. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's a good point to make that this is, like, a new experience for Gimli in many possible ways. So it, it's very sweet how innocent he is in, in this, I guess. Yeah, and... Dom, you were just talking about, like, them not kind of having talked about the relationship. Yeah. And Legolas sort of broaches it roundabout after they, you know, are out of the forest. And uh, oh, at this point, Gimli's really crushed. He's like, he did not touch me in the forest. Uh, that's where we did not happen. ravish me in the forest yes. is specifically that what is, he says. That's oh, yeah. And I, I love, like, where Gimli goes after this. It's like, of course he didn't because I'm a terrible, ugly person. Right. No, nobody oh, loves me. Yeah. yeah that was so... It could only be that I was too unlovely for him. Yeah. Yeah. So and sad. I can see how that so would be sad. a huge, like, source of, you know, anxiety for him because, like, dwarf versus elven cultural standards are very different. I know. I right. always so much related to Gimli and, like, dwarves in general as a race. And, like, this just broke my heart. Like, I felt like the author understood that experience. It was so sweet yeah, and, and poignant. And to paraphrase, he's saying, like, no one's ever called me beautiful. No one's ever called my harsh dwarven voice beautiful. Like, Legolas called the, yeah. the water in the caves a beautiful sound. Right. And elves love beauty, so clearly, like... But then Legolas does kind of broach the topic of what they're gonna be in a roundabout way he brings up the subject that they could make a, maybe make a settlement or something or mm-hmm. some sort of place to bring elves and dwarves together in the forest and Gimli gives this response like what are you talking about I was like well you know it, it, I mean, if you don't want to that's fine but I just imagine a place where you know elves and dwarves could like you know li- live you know together <laughs> yeah or, or at least like very close he's like you were talking about bringing elves down to helm's deep and like mining that out and yeah. uh like i could bring elves down into fangorn and we could resettle or whatever you know maybe if you're into that <laughs> i mean they're not that far away amazing and actually. then he goes into four like it's not far and it's like no said he not far by elf roads it might be a good life for two such as we such uh, as we i echo <laughs> and then there's this great passage by legolas can I read that yeah please <clears throat> Gimli, he cried suddenly, my friend, speak now and tell me how it is with you. For my people must follow their hearts, but the hearts of dwarves, they say, are like hearts of mountains, difficult to reach and seldom moved. I stood, speechless. He pressed on. And they say of the dwarves also that, th- that they take no joy in the pleasures of the flesh, but carve their children out of stone and so continue <laughs> their race. I no-, no longer doubt it. A fortnight we have traveled together, and you have made no move towards me, not when I touched you... No, when I took your hand, and yet, and yet my heart cries that I have found one closer than a brother, a companion for my life, a companion for my bed. He added quietly, if only you would have me. I love this reversal here. It's so good. <laughs> Gimli's been so anxious, and Legolas turns around and is like, you haven't made a move on me yet. Right. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Yeah, he's, he's so anxious about it for I the know. reverse reason. And that's exactly how these things go. Yeah. yeah. They're and both nervous. And it just happens to come out in the most adorable way possible. It's really Super adorable. Cute. 
Yeah, because obviously, like, from the elven cultural context, the dwarves have this reputation of being, like... Stone-faced? Yeah, stone-faced. <laughs> like, you can't read them, you don't know what they're right. thinking, like, they're probably not into you. A total great parallel to Gimli's, you know, stereotype of the elves. Like, he should have made a move on me. And Legolas is like, dwarves don't like sex, so <laughs> right. I shouldn't have made the move. And right. it totally comes together. Or it's like, if I put my hand on my shoulder, like, there would have been some reaction or some, like, response. Right. I mean, that's, that's, right. as, that's as far as he was willing to, like, push himself. Like, to put push himself, himself out on him, yeah. Right. To, to right. hold because, his hand. <laughs> Because he has a stereotype of dwarves that they are not very sexual beings, and he didn't want to force that idea. Yeah, do we, there's only it's like a couple very good. couple words left for the rest of it. Do we want to finish that up with somebody? Yeah. yeah. Um, Tori, you d- want to turn? Well, I just I did kind of want to read the part before that. Oh because sure, go for it. Just you know, it's so good when there's that like turning point where they find like Gimli finally gets yeah. you know this thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Where he's like, he did not ravish me in the forest, I thought. It was his realm, not mine. He could have cast a charm on me and laid me low in a bed of moss and fallen leaves. He could have peeled my armor from me piece by piece until I was exposed to him. My pale belly, the places no one has caressed. I would have given that pleasure to a smooth-handed elf. But no, it could only be that I was too unlovely for him. No one has ever called me Vanya. No one has ever said, Lama Alarin Kalat. I don't speak Elvish. To my harsh dwarf's voice. Elves love beauty. I am numb. And I grieved, for I loved him. And I would lose him now, with not even so much as a handful of leaves to keep by me. So we walked in silence, and the sun sunk low in the west. Then Legolas said, We could come south. <laughs> he had not turned to look at me. What? I asked. We could bring our people south. You and I. My folk could dwell in Ithalian. It must be won back from years of fell things in wilderness, but there is forest there, such as my kin would delight in. And you, you spoke of opening caves and chambers, a single hammer stroke, a day of anxious work. Spoke so, of bringing craftsmen to Helm's Deep Oh, yeah, Helms bring craftsmen to Helm's Deep. Yeah. yeah. I kind of skipped that, but anyway, <laughs> point being, day of anxious work, craftsmen, doing that. I loved that part because it was just like that turning point of... Him real, Gimli realizing what Legolas was saying. <laughs> well, like, yeah. what? <laughs> and also props to Legolas, who's the one who's, like, actually starting this conversation about, mm-hmm. like, what are we doing from here? Kind of just bumbling into it, though. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but it's more than Gimli's totally. doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I did skip a line in there, but um, main point is, like, yeah, we could bring Krausman and we could do all this stuff. We could carve these caverns. Like, hey, won't you have this? He just, Gimli's, like, at the same time thinking, I'm so unlovely. Yeah. <laughs> like... Just such an interesting turning point. And then there's that confession of love and anxiety and, you know, stuff from Legolas. Right. That, and then, that was immediately before, so. And then, you know, Gimli, like, looks at him and takes his hands and kissed his, kisses his hands. And the last line of the fanfic is, you should hear what they say of the elves, I said. And, Which is a nice little yeah, button on there. Yeah. It all ties together. Yeah. It does. It's cute. There's one more part from the essay beforehand that I want to read. The last paragraph there. The moment of emotional connection that follows Legolas's confession bridges Tolkien's canon between Legolas and Gimli's journey and the fact, it is one of the last given to us in Tolkien's appendix, that Legolas and Gimli stayed together for the rest of their lives. While many people think fanfiction is about inserting sex into texts like Tolkien's where it doesn't belong, Brancher sees it differently. I was desperate to read about sex that included great friendship. I was repurposing Tolkien's text in order to do that. 
It wasn't that friendship needed to be sexualized, it was that erotica needed to be friendshipized. Many fanfiction writers write about sex in conjunction with beloved texts and characters, not because they think those texts are incomplete, but because they're looking for stories where sex is profound and meaningful. This is part of what makes fanfiction different from pornography. I'm going to say there's also fanfiction that is pornography, but whatever. Unlike pornography, fanfic features characters we already care deeply about, and who tend to already have long-standing and complex relationships with each other. It's a genre of sexual subjectification, the very opposite of objectification. It's benefits with friendship, according to the essay writer before that. I love that paragraph. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. It is, and, and I appreciate that take. But I will say that we're looking at, that's a perspective of, I think, as sex positivity, which is not a wrong thing to have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from another perspective, it's that these characters have a deep friendship. And I think the emotional intimacy of their friendship is maybe a more important point than them ever having sex. Well, like in this story, it's all about the emotional stuff, albeit tied in with some sexual but it's anxieties. Tied, well, but the the um, the writer of of that particular essay mm-hmm. spoke specifically to sex being uh, taken away from friendship, like and not taken away, but like as a takeaway of friendship. Okay. Sex being tied to friendship. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. My main point is that you don't always have to include sex in intimacy. Mm-hmm. Like, the two are intrinsically linked. Like, I get where the person's coming from in the sense of, like, this is a great idea to have sex being a component of deep friendship. But I do think that a big takeaway from this fan fiction, more for me, is the intimacy of the relationship. And it is included in sex because that's how a lot of people consider sex to be is, like, an element of intimacy but the intimacy is actually the part that's more important to me mm-hmm. so like using the term sex as opposed to the term intimacy i guess is how i feel it's different that this author created intimacy between the characters that was implied to be there but they took it to the next level and i wouldn't necessarily say that that's the same thing as sex yeah. i think it's a good point but i also think it's kind of necessary to look at it like this as a pushback to um, objectification of lots of things. There's a lot of just sex stuff out there, and if you want feelings, then you look for something else that's not even remotely connected to sex at all. And it's kind of important to realize there's gradients of this stuff, and not just one or the other. Especially since like the internet tends to cater towards um, extremes and viewpoints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's exactly why I said that intimacy is, should be the focal point, like regardless of whether sex is present. Yeah. Whereas I think that particular author of that essay focused on the element of sex. I feel like the element of intimacy was more important, I guess. Now, this was a short fanfic. It's going to be a shortish episode. Uh, Do we have anything that we want to complain about in the fanfic? It's so short, there's hardly any time to complain about anything. Like, it's... My only possible complaint could be it's too short, but I honestly think it's the right right length it needs to be. Yeah. It's Um, very well done. Yeah, when I first entered it, I felt... um, a little bit of hesitancy, like a little bit of almost like cerebral embarrassment because Gimli was like so sensitive to everything that was happening. But that's actually a really strong point to me and it's a good point and it's not a point of criticism. So yeah, yeah I don't, I don't know. I, well, I really liked it. Well, it was a bit of like transferring 
anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, it makes you feel a little anxious. Yeah, yeah. Secondhand embarrassment not, sort of thing. I don't think that's bad. No, that's a it's a I think fun it's really thing. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really like it. And one of the things I like about it most, I guess, is that the author had the discipline to write a very short story, but it's a full story. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy to just write a little bit of something. It's hard to make that a story that has, like, an arc that is satisfying and character development that mm-hmm. is interesting and, like, you know, portrayals that are that are engaging. And I think the author really succeeded with it. They do. Yeah. They, they present a problem, they uh-huh. talk about it, and they work through it and become different at, through at, at, at the end of it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like, I almost have an inclination to criticize, like, the kind of, like, stereotyping of the elves versus the dwarves, but even that, they make it come together very well. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. just works. Right. So... Good, good job. <laughs> yeah. Good, good job. Good writing. Good yeah. play. Good hustle. <laughs> nice job out there. Good hustle out there. You can go get a, what do they call it? What were those juice pack things? Capri like, Sun. A Capri Sun, yeah. <laughs> you can go get a Capri Sun and orange. All right. If you were lucky, you would get something sugarier than an orange, but. Like an Otter Pop. Yeah, something like that. I don't know if you get a Capri Sun and an Otter Pop. Depends on who you are. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Well, this fanfic deserves both a Capri Sun and an Otter Pop. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Shall we put a bow on it then? Let's do that. Let's wrap it up. Let's All put right. an Otter Pop up. on it. <laughs> Let's not do that. That's going to melt. <laughs> Our next episode is also going to be short. I'm dipping back into Sailor Moon for Mako Chan's happy ending. It is a 1996 fanfic from the primal origin days of the internet and you can find a link to it at bit.ly slash rfr ending this was episode 25 of retro fanfic retrospective they say of the elves by brancher you can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfr elves the intro song is the weekly fair off of the album popey's incredible adventure by komiku the outro song is run against the universe from the same album you can find this album and other works by komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com you can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode? Contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. Leaving comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever would also be greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I am Tori, child of Michael. I'm down. (laughs) We are just three Middle Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Bye. Bye. Spectacular. I love it. Fantastic. Awesome. Excellent.